Welcome to 33 Tangents, a podcast discussing a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Narong, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So I was just asking, how long are you uh, in Bali for? Just a few more days. I'm gonna uh, this weekend. I'm going back to to Thailand. Okay, cool. So it was two weeks in total. Nice. Yeah, What's going on, Jason. Uh, trying to get some coffee into me. <laughs> I, I, Jason, I was telling Jim before you joined. It's it's funny because I'm in the co working space now, and there's um, it's you know ten o'clock at night here. And it's exceedingly busy. It was kind of amusing to me because I'm usually working kind of alone at night. Um, and like, it's just everyone on phone calls and <laughs> all in different languages. It's kind of cool. It's crazy. Our, so people are like actively working or hanging out or collaborate. What's going on? Oops. Sorry, you cut out. Uh, I was just saying, so people are actively working or kind of hanging out, collaborating. Oh, no, like the people that are here now are all actively working. Interesting. I wonder if they're working for like companies more Western based, and so they're aligning their time like you, or yeah. it's just the people that are time shifts. The people that are now, it's well, not necessarily in America, but uh, a lot of Europe. There's a lot of different mm-hmm. languages going on, but I'm guessing it's not coming over my mic. That is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very, it's very motivating. We're not alone. No, no, we're not. I get hit up a lot. I, I think you know we did a few content pieces, um, and it, it seems to be like a, a magnet for for people talking remote, wanting to work remote, having products to support remote. So there's there's definitely a larger community there than I realized. Yeah, actually, since we're on a podcast, I would love to plug the place I'm at, um, the co-working space in Ubud, uh, Bali, called Ubud. Hub in Ubud is what it's, it stands for. But it's um, it's just like one of the, by far, I would say, probably the best uh, co-working space I've ever been to. Just such a community is built around it, and they really kind of mm. know how to, to run it. It's They just passed their five years um, in service, and it was one of the, it was the first co-working space in, in, in Bali and kind of was one of the ones that really kickstarted the whole digital nomad movement. So um, they really focus on that. And they have, um, it's interesting because a lot of the co-working places I've been to before have catered a lot to, it's, it's like some travelers, but it's usually more local freelancers. Whereas um, here, because of the location, it's almost 100% people that are just constantly traveling, like the real nomadic type people. Um, so because of that they have like a lot of services and events really geared towards getting people like onboarded into the community, onboarded into the the city, the culture, everything. So it's it's really it's been quite a quite a treat to be out here. That's great. 
Um, man, five years. That's, that's a pretty good, pretty good run. I, I, I've always had a lot of interest in the, the whole co-working thing. And I, I just don't know enough about it to know how it works. The, the numbers seem really hard to, to make it work, especially if you're going to do it right and offer a lot of services. Um, but it sounds like they've, they've found a way to, to make it work and at least be sustainable. Yeah. And no, I could, I could definitely talk to you a whole nother <laughs> hour on, on all the stuff they're doing with the community. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Awesome. Yeah. We should, we should have that conversation later. All right. So, you know, and, and I think John being in a co-working space in, in Bali kind of leads is a good segue or it, it's a good preface to what I'd like to talk about today. And they're two different things, but they're related in the fact that they take a good amount of discipline to manage. Um, you know, and these are things that I see many of those that are classified as information workers have to deal with. Uh, the first is the concept of being always on. And to be honest, this is nothing new. This is something that's been around for at a minimum 15 years, if not more. Um, you know, you're all, it's the concept of you're always accessible, or at least people assume you're always accessible via your phone or email or a messaging platform such as Slack. Um, and it's kind of funny because when I describe what I do for work to people and then I work from a home office, the response I usually get from them is, I couldn't do that. I don't have the discipline to, to, to focus on my work. Everything else would, um, you know, take away from, from, from me being able to do my work. And in response to that, I usually come back and say, well, for me, the problem is not being able to not focus on work, but it's the, the ability to shut down at the end of the day. You know, when the day is over, turning off the laptop and actually actually shutting down email, shutting down Slack and walking away from it, and also shutting down my mind and not thinking about, okay, I'll tackle this tomorrow when I got that, or, oh, I just have this great idea. Let me just jump back in and finish this. Um, I'm definitely one that falls into the trap of being always on. The second piece is distractions, and distractions can take multiple forms. It could be the latest e email that comes into your inbox while you're working on something else. Or if you're working from a home office, it's the pile of laundry upstairs and you're thinking, well, I could just take a couple minutes and, you know, get that in the wash. W whatever it is, you know, distractions, you know, are, are all over the place. And just with, uh, you know, the ability to shut down at the end of the day, the ability to, to manage those distractions. And in fact, you know, a, a distraction could be trying to report a podcast while, you know, three or four other people are taking phone calls in the same space that, uh, that you're in, um, you know, and, you know, keeping the discipline uh, to focus on what, what you're working on and not just jump at the most re recent shiny object that's come into view. Um, so that was a lot of information uh, to start with, but some really good stuff for us to dissect over the next 35, 40 minutes. Um, so who'd like to, to, to kick us off? So I'll start with the always on because I think that I have an interesting experience of, of the polar extremes. And I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but I, I very clearly remember the year was 1999. And I remember my boss saying to me, hey, the company wants to buy you uh, and pay for a cell phone. And I'm like, nope, nope, 
I'm not interested. I don't want to be contacted. I don't want you to be able to reach me whenever, you know, when I'm here, I'm here. When I'm gone, I'm gone. And so when I started out my career, I was very much on the opposite side where I rejected any possible thing that would make it easier for me to be always on. And I rejected that for a long time. But now I think I'm to the extreme opposite where I I don't know that I have good um, feedback or things to offer as far as not being always on. Because I think it's something that that I kind of suffer from where I'm in that always on mentality. I can be laying down, relaxing, just trying to watch something on TV, clear my mind. You know, I've got my phone right next to me and I'm checking it and an email comes through and I'm like, oh, I got to run back in the office and, and jump on that and, and look at that. Uh, and so, you know, that's something that is is a real struggle for me is that that concept of just always being being on. Um, I know John has some probably good ideas on how to shut down from that. And it's something that that I very much need to work on. So uh, it's it's interesting for me kind of just taking a step back and over my career, watching me go from one extreme to another and would really love to find that that middle ground. Yeah, I definitely used to be the person that was always on all the time. But I will say nowadays, I'm definitely not always on uh, but that said, in terms of, of tips, I feel like I'm cheating a little bit because I have the the time zone uh, disparity usually that, that helps me. Um, I think what's what's different is that, Jim, you, you mentioned before that you need to be conscious to try to get off at the end of your day. But for me, it's the opposite. I try to be free of notifications and that kind of thing at the beginning of my day. Uh, or during my day, uh, luckily, uh, it's the the noise is usually pretty light because it's when you guys are all sleeping. But you know, the, occasionally I will wake up to a notification or something, or you know, some kind of message that might have happened when I was when I was sleeping, and it honestly kind of screws up my entire day when that happens. Like it just stresses me out, uh, and then. So if it's something that seems urgent, it's even worse because it's like even if I responded quickly, it's almost too late for that day. Uh, but luckily, that kind of thing happens pretty minimally. Uh, I will say, though, that I think it's important to definitely, I mean, just tactically, like using do not disturb kind of uh, configurations on your on your phone and that kind of thing. We use Slack a lot, which I think a lot of other people do for, for most communication. Uh, and fortunately there's the, you know, the features to kind of turn things off after a certain time. In my case, I usually turn it off after 2 a.m. or 2.30 a.m., you know, based on my schedule. But I think that definitely is important to kind of set those boundaries, whatever they are, uh, and not, and realizing most things really don't need to be, uh, you don't need to be notified in real time. I think I also have, you know, there's ways to contact me at any time, of course. Um, I think like all of us. And I think the other aspect of it is really just the trust that, uh, you know, someone internally or externally with our clients too won't just be tagging us or notifying us unless something really is urgent needs to be immediately responded to. Uh, I think it's important to make the distinction of what really is urgent Versus what really isn't like everything can't be very high priority. 
I think that's a great point. Uh, and I think it's something that as remote workers, we're probably a little sensitive to and probably make things more of an emergency or more of an immediate response than they need to. Uh, so I think part of that is is simply because we've been brought up in this system where there is kind of lack of trust, uh, just in general, where the overall kind of market is saying, how, how can you do work at home? Uh, you know, if I was at home, I think the gym kind of kicked off the topic by saying, if I was at home, I would, you know, be doing a million other things other than work. There's endless numbers of articles out there that basically say that, right? That companies are, are saying, hey, we can't have our employees working remotely because they actually wouldn't be doing work. And I think that's had the opposite effect on us where we've gone out of our way to show that we're more responsive than our colleagues in the office. And I think that has kind of shifted too far to the extreme where we feel like we have to be always on and everything is an emergency that needs to be responded to now. And for most businesses, the business that we do, the stuff that we do with our clients, uh, very little of, of what we do is an emergency. A lot of it is forward thinking and we really sit down and, and plan it out. So there's really no need unless there's something very catastrophic happening for for us to get into that firefighter mentality and, and look at things as extreme emergencies. But again, I think we've kind of trained ourselves to thinking that way because we've been a bit defensive because the outside world has told us, you know, you can't you can't operate like a an employee in an office when you're at home. And so we've we've kind of gone to the extreme to say, oh yes, we can. You know, a lot of people always ask me or, or just assume like, oh, you must work a lot of hours. And you know, my response actually is I don't even really know how many hours I, I usually work. I don't know if that's the case for you guys as well. But I feel like in many cases, since we're I mean, one, not tracking hours, but two also not necessarily chained to a a desk you know for a finite amount of time like it's kind of flowing in and out of work throughout the day and night that i never really bother to really think about exactly how many hours it is i don't know if you're the same way or you try to get that no yeah absolutely the same way and i that's probably part to do with our business. So we're in, we're in services and we've kind of rejected the the billable hour model and we don't do timesheets. And so we don't really have a structure to record how much time we're working. Uh, but just overall, you, you're, you're right. I don't, I don't really have a good sense of, of what it is. And people have asked me as well. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I honestly don't know because for me, even, you know, where we're more aligned here from a time zone perspective, and we don't have kind of that luxury that you do, John, where we can shift the schedule to that extreme all the time, uh, but still it's shifted. You know, it's, I don't think any one of us comes in and sits down at eight, nine in the morning and then mm -hmm. gets up and leaves at five at night. It just doesn't work that way. And so there's lots of smaller pieces of work happening and things happening in between. And yeah, I don't have a good sense of what that, that total time is. I will say the luxury of, of doing that also comes with a lot of costs as well, obviously. Like I have no nights to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but you have days all to yourself where you're not bothered. <laughs> That's true. Jim, what are your thoughts? There was a bunch of stuff in there. I was trying to scribble down notes uh, so, so I could respond to a few things um, there. 
But yeah, I think there, there's some very specific actions that John alluded to that, that I do every day. And, and, you know, for, for full disclosure, I mean, both of these items are work in progress things for me and have been for, for, for a little while. Um, you know, the, the first thing I do when I come in in the morning is I turn off all notifications on my computer. Uh, so this way I, I come in, I know what my plan is for the day. Um, and one of the things I've been trying to get into a habit of is checking email, responding to, to, to email right away and then closing it out. So then I can move forward with the items I'm looking forward to, to tackling um, during the day. Th those are the, the first couple things. And then as far as shutting down, because I think this is, this is probably my biggest problem I've been trying to work on is I can keep going. You know, especially I'm the type of person when I get into something, um, it I, I, I want to keep going. I don't want to stop because I, I know I'm not going to be able to pick up with it later. So, you know, the evening will come around and it's just like I, I, I don't want to stop because I want to finish what I have on my plate. But then the problem is, is it goes a step further and it's like, oh, there's just this one more thing. Then there's just one more thing after that. So what I've been trying to do to, to make sure that I actually kind of shut down at the end of the day and have time just to relax and clear my head and come back fresh the next day is actually have stuff to do at night. That's not work related, um, whether it's just a, something as simple of, you know, instead of cutting the grass at, you know, 10 a.m. on a Saturday, cut it in the evening. So it's like, OK, I, I have something else to go do. And that, that you know, for, for me, yard work, believe it or not, is kind of like one of those like Zen things that actually, you know, helps decompress. So like little tricks there. How do your neighbors feel about that? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not cutting it at nine o'clock at night. I'm, you know, we're cutting about like six 30. I haven't gotten any complaints yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, you know, talk about like, you know, yeah, we don't come in at nine and sign off at five, but like when six o'clock rolls around, start wrapping things up and then uh, have other things to do. Um, so that I'm not just sitting there with the laptop. You know, I, I noticed this was a real problem several months ago when, you know, we, we, you know, my wife and I, we'd finish up dinner, we'd sit on the couch and turn on the TV next thing you know, I'm popping up the laptop and responding to emails at 8.30 at night or, oh, I just have this one last thing to do uh, for this one client and doing that at nine o'clock at night. And that started to become a, a little unhealthy. Yeah. I think you, you hit on a, an important topic that we could probably spend a little bit of time discussing and I don't know if we've discussed this on other episodes where we were talking about our remote setups but I think it's maybe worth revisiting and that is what can we do with in our setup to avoid distractions and you 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 hit on an important point and I think you said something about I come in and I turn off notifications so I didn't really set out to create a sterile environment to work in but I I've kind of been evaluating what times I'm I feel the most productive and what times I don't. And I've kind of made a mental note of, of what my setup looks like. And, and for me, the notifications were, were hugely distracting. So when I feel the most, um, when, when I feel the most focused and I'm, and I'm doing my best work, the, the common themes are, I, I make sure that my notifications are, are muted. So, you know, Oh, a tweet came in. I need to go check out what so-and-so is talking about. Oh, I see a one or a two in my inbox. I better go see what those emails are. Or, you know, I got a notification popped up. 
popped up in Facebook, it's amazing, you know, that one notification, even if you don't go click on it, the fact that you notice it and start thinking about it, I wonder who emailed me or I wonder what that update is. You've you've all of a sudden lost that continuity and 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 even though you didn't fully context switch, you, you have to an extent. It's gonna take you some time to get back to where you were. And and so that simple act of just hiding those notifications was uh, extremely helpful to me. And so what I've started doing is when there's a project that I really want to get deep into, I'll start like a new browser session and and just open up a new browser window. I'll, I'll close down all of my other tabs or minimize them that have any alerts. I'll shut off my alerts and I'll, you know, maximize my screen and just say, okay, I'm going to just focus in on, on this. One of the other things that I've done is I've been using Workflowy to make lists and I've come in every morning and said, okay, today I'm going to make a list of the three to five things that I want to be my focus. And I've tried to hold myself accountable to that list. And so if something comes in, then I force myself to evaluate it and say, okay, what am I going to take off this list in, in place of the new thing that I want to come in? And that's been really helpful for me to maintain focus. And I know there's lots of other tools out there that can help do that. But for me, the act of saying, I'm not just going to continue to add items to my to-do list for today. I'm going to tell myself, this is the set thing, uh, list of things I want to do. And if I'm going to bump one off, I have to forcefully think through which one am I going to deprioritize to put a new thing in. And that's really helped to, to keep me uh, focused as well. Yeah, I think uh, removing the notifications, like you mentioned, is absolutely key. I used to use a, a separate, well, we use, like many companies use, you know, Gmail as our, as our email, but I, for a while I was using an email client, Airmail, um, which I think is a great client, but the problem was I was getting notified of emails as they were coming in. So now I just went back to old school, you know, using a, doing it Gmail in the browser, and I just honestly don't even have my email open during the day. and. I think sometimes I might forget to read my email, actually, because I think, at least for me, I would say over 90% of the communication, maybe even 95% is Slack, which is great for managing notifications. You know, email is usually the loophole, but I think I've just kind of forced myself to not look at it that often. I don't know if that's good to say or not, but it's the truth. I'm phasing it out. No, it actually, it brings up a couple things. So yeah, I use, um, I use a separate email client as well um, for, for, for that exact fact, because it's, it's something I can actually close out because I do like having the, the, the actual like, email program, but I, I try to close that out. Um, but I think, you know, focusing on email, because this, this seems to be a common thread through our conversation right now is email. So I know I've worked with this kind of person in the past. I bet both of you have and many have where person sends an email. And again, email has gotten this, like there, there's this, or not so much email has gotten it. You know, it's, it, it's, it's people that use it. There's this assumption that when you send an email, someone is going to immediately reply that someone is managing their daily email. Email is the one thing that's up. So as an email comes in, they respond back. I, I've worked with um, a few people in the past actually, where they would send an email. And if you didn't reply within a few minutes, they were hitting you up on some kind of instant messaging platform because before uh, 
Slack, uh, a lot of us were using Skype. So the Skype message would come in. And if you didn't respond to the Skype message, a, a phone call came in. So it, it created this atmosphere of, I need to make sure I respond to this person correct, you know, quickly so that they don't start bothering me in, in, in other in other ways. Um, and, you know, one of the things I've done with, 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 with most people, I, I've helped set expectations on what is, is absolutely urgent. Um, what, what, what defines urgency? And it's, and it's not so much me dictating, but it's, it's, it's working with those people, whether it's, you know, folks internally or, or with clients, it's this collaborative discussion. I, I, I try to bring up early on and in defining, let, let's define what is truly urgent. Um, so that because one problem is, is when everything's urgent, nothing is, is urgent. But if, uh, if you don't have that, that, that firm determination on what is urgent, everything gets in the way and you're, you're just dealing with the latest thing that's come up and you're not moving the, the, the bigger things. Um, so in, in that vein, a lot of those folks know that like, you know, I'm not going to respond to an email very, very quickly. Now, if two or three days goes by and you haven't heard from me, you know, hey, you know, definitely send that, that, that follow-up email. Hey, just bumping this to the top of your inbox kind of thing. You may have forgotten it because chances are it, 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 just, it, got, um, you know, it, it just got missed. But most times they know if there is something that is truly urgent, something that needs to be looked at immediately. And these are along the lines of data is missing. Um, something is preventing um, certain conversions from happening on the site, like you know, it, those kinds of level of problems, they're going to message me via Slack. And they're going to say, hey, this is what we're seeing. Can, you know, is this something you could take a look at, you know, in, in very, fairly short order? So that's also some, some of the actions, not necessarily around the technology that we use, but the the expectation setting. And, and and, and making the, the others feel a collaborative part of it um, because then that's where you're going to get buy-in and it's going to help lessen that expectation of others that you're going to respond quickly and hence that you're, you're you know, when you're not, you're, you're trying not to be distracted by that, that latest email that comes in, the latest, you know, shiny object that catches your attention. So let, let's take a quick tangent on that because that, I, I think there's a couple pieces of that. One, um, I, damn it. I hate that. I say, um, as a filler, I need to figure out how to cut that out. <sighs> okay. So I get very irritated when people don't reply to my email. So maybe I'm part of the problem. My expectation is that if I email someone that I hear back within 24 hours, so I expect to hear back the next day. So not, not necessarily immediately, but I expect to hear back fairly quickly and I'm not expecting an answer, but I'm expecting a Hey, I, I received your communication. This is what it looks like. I'll be able to get back to you X. Uh, otherwise, I feel it's like it's in a, in a black hole. Did they see it? Are they looking at it? What What is a an appropriate time to expect some kind of feedback? So maybe maybe I'm I, I have a misset expectation that 24 hours is realistic. Maybe it's longer than that. Uh, so that's number one. And then number two, as as someone working remotely how do we proactively help set that? So if, if we're working with a client or a vendor or even internally, is it something that we should be a little bit more forceful as far as stating, Hey, this is how I operate. You know, when you email, here's kind of how I, I work and you should expect to hear back X and, and, and this is how it works. 
is it important to set that expectation up front or does that something that just happens organically and then over time people just accept a certain way of of how that works i don't know if this is the politically correct answer but i actually try to never set the president to reply to email really quickly that seems to work <laughs> is that bad no, I mean that that's kind of what I'm 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 trying to figure out what the right set is. So you're you're saying it's less of you kind of saying this is how it operates and you've just kind of put yourself in a certain um way of operating and it sets the precedent on its own and you've kind of kept yourself to that and it it sets the expectations fairly right. reasonably with the people you work with. I mean, that said though, I think it works in our case because we do have that other medium of that open line of communication, which is Slack. Like in, with all of our clients, we're lucky enough to have like a, a Slack, you know, uh, channel or team set up to kind of communicate directly. Uh, and I think when we push that as more of the primary channel, then, I mean, that's organically what happens. And for most of my work, I would say email is really more for deliverables and not really active threads. But maybe I'm just fortunate with the the work that I've been a part of. Do you actually have active work threads in email outside of Slack or other? I do. Mediums? I you know I I do. So a lot of the work that that I do is uh, pre client work. So a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of sales yeah. work, a lot of work with our our partners, uh, people that I don't have direct access to through a, through a Slack channel. So yeah, I think for, for me, a lot of my communications uh, still go through, through email. Should I have a pre-sales Slack channel? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> That'd be an experiment. That would be something. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely still have, you know, um, some situations where active conversations are held via email. Um, some, it's just some organizations that just haven't adopted Slack, whether it's been an organizational dictate or just that, um, you know, the, the members within there are a bit more old school and want to use, to use email. Um, uh, I, I think, you know, John does have a point. I think, you know, when you, prove that you get results. Cause I think, uh, to use an old sports adage, you know, winning cures everything. Um, you know, when it comes to work, you know, getting results is ultimately what matters in most cases, or at least, you know, the people that we want to work with, uh, you know, getting results is what matters. And I think as you prove that say, okay, I may not respond in 10 minutes to an email, but I'm still going to get things done. That there, there's less expectation that they're, they're going to get, you know, things are going to be responded to. But I think there is also a bit of the conversation to be had as you build rapport with clients, with, with internal folks, with people in general, uh, as you build rapport, you don't necessarily come in heavy handed and say, this is the way I operate, but you subtly set the expectation. And it may just be, say you're using a combination of email and Slack. There might be side conversations. I've done this with clients saying, hey, saw this come in, I'm tackling X, we'll jump on Y when that comes in. And they're good, you know, as long as they've received some kind of acknowledgement and taking those steps there, you know, helps set the expectation that, okay, I'm not always going to respond to the email and I'm not going to answer your question right away, 
but it's it, it it's been seen. It, it's on a list of things to do. Um, so this way, we can continue to execute on the bigger things that we're trying to do. Um, you know, for, for us, you know, we want to work on the more strategic things with, with clients. Um, and those are the things that, that, that take time to do. They're not tasks that are completed in 15 minutes, 30 minutes. These are things that may take hours to even a couple of days or even longer, you know, depending upon what, what's involved. But the, the cycle of, you know, say, you know, meeting with them, preparing something and then revving through multiple iterations of it, um, you know, that, that takes time. And I think as you work with them and going back to the rapport building, because I I think, you know, at at the core of all of this is, is, you know, a level of rapport with others. Um, as you build rapport, you know, they're, they're, they're going to, to, to see that, okay, these bigger things are what we really want to focus on. And these little things will be taken care of, you know, in due time. Yeah, agreed. So let's, can we quickly go back to the always on? Because I, I, I think we've arrived at a, an interesting intersection and John forced me to think about it as he asked, you know, well, what kind of conversations are you having through, through email? So one of the biggest challenges that I have working on, on the sales side is, is working with companies that one of their primary objections is, is the remote aspect. You know, how, how can you do this work if you're not sitting in our offices? How can we guarantee that you're going to do good work if we can't see you doing the work? It's, it's that old adage that we've been fighting for a long time, but it's, it's very real. Uh, we typically see this in larger, more established companies that, that this is the thought process. But I, I would say 70% of the prospects that I talk to, it's, it's an objection that I have to deal with. And, and have to help alleviate their fears that we can do good work remotely and, and we can be very efficient and, and we can do it just as well sitting in your office as, as sitting in a co-working location in Bali. However, how do we then align that with the way that we work? So I, I think John brought up a good point. It's like, look, we're, we're going to set the precedent as, you know, we're not going to jump on everything and and to an extreme, that's kind of the opposite of what the fears are of these of these people and these companies that I'm that I'm talking to. So one, I think it's probably representative of where our brand sits in the market. I obviously within a small group of companies that have worked with us or heard about us, that that fear isn't there because we've proofed it out through through execution and delivery. But in the larger marketplace, there isn't. A, a globally accepted, oh, 33 sticks, they they deliver and they work remotely, it just works. And so we have to alleviate that that fear that if I can't see you working, you're probably not working. So as I try to balance those conversations on the sales side, how do we alleviate their fears? In the long run, I think we are very effective doing that because as, as John or Jim pointed out, it's through delivery and through actually doing the work and delivering high value services but up front, how do we alleviate that fear? Is it setting expectations? You know, how do we how do we handle that? You know, each of you have taken on clients that have maybe had differing degrees of anxiety around working remotely. Is it something that you've addressed up front? Is it something you've just had a comfort level with saying, I know it's going to be a little uneasy for the first couple of weeks or months until they get it, but once it clicks, it's going to click. I'm interested in your your thoughts on that. My thoughts i don't know if i 
can directly respond to everything you just brought up, but I feel like it all evens out in a way. Like, even though there might be, technically there might be a little bit more of a lag because we are remote. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's been anything that's ever been detrimental. And, you know, in the long run, I think we're actually more efficient than most people they have sitting within the office because we don't have a lot of other office distractions in the way. And I know that was kind of the second part of what Jim wanted to bring up as well. There, I mean, there are certain distractions that come with working remotely, but there's also a lot less, I feel like, where we're able to produce more, even though there might be an increased latency. Does that make sense? It made sense in my head. <laughs> and that's the most important place for it to make sense. I, I absolutely agree. And and that's why my comfort level is on a long enough time scale, I have zero mm-hmm. concerns because I've seen what what we can do from a, an execution perspective. And it's it's what I talk about when I'm addressing the larger marketplace or individual prospects. I'm like, look, these these guys deliver and I and I've seen it for years and years and years and they're going to deliver at a higher level um, than than most employees sitting in an office. And and that's not to say that it, it should be necessarily compared because it's different. You know, we're not full time employees. We're, we're brought in to work on very specific strategic things for for our clients. But when we're doing that work, it's. It's highly focused, even though we've talked about all these different distractions and things that we have to deal with. Overall, it's it's highly focused, highly efficient, and we're able to produce a high value in a shorter period of time. So, I, yeah, I have no no fears of that once it's engaged. It's that upfront piece. So it's before we engage and it's right after we engage. That's the uneasy part for me because I know that so many people and so many companies just have this this deep fear that if I can't see you working, I, I just don't know how I can manage that. You should send them one of the many books or studies on this subject. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but I think until they've been able to experience for it firsthand, it's, it's just, uh, it's just theory. Fair. Right. I, I think they have to have that experience for it. To it is a challenge. It is. Yeah, and I think you, you hit the nail right on the head there. It's they actually have to experience it. So going back to your initial question there of, you know, how did we handle that with say clients that were a little skittish about this whole setup coming in? It's you know, it, I found that you know, it, it helps to be sensitive to that you know in, in the beginning and and help move them along. But at the same time, you know, as you're being sensitive to it, don't fall into the trap of that, you know, you need to constantly prove that, you know, I, I'm working, whether it's, you know, responding to an email right away or, you know, any of those kinds of actions, because I think as they experience it and as you provide results, because again, I think results being the the ultimate thing where if you're able to provide results, then after a while, they start to realize it doesn't matter if you're here or not. It doesn't matter if I can't see you or not. It doesn't matter if we're in the same time zone or not. I'm still getting what I need and we're good. Agreed. Agreed. So one other, I want to quickly go back to the distractions and then I think we should, we should talk about um, how we're 
maybe go back to the the always on because I think that's an important piece to make sure we don't don't gloss over. But I just wanted to also throw out there one of the other changes that I made. It's very very subtle, but I think had a huge impact on how I work. And this is this is so I'm on a Mac, um, so this may not affect how other. OS's work, but I, for years and years and years, just always had my dock up. And the minute I put my dock on auto hide, so I didn't see like that my tweet bot had 76 unread messages or my iMessenger had five messages that was, was life changing. So Mm -hmm. super simple to hide that, but it had a huge impact because I was every, again, every time I saw a little number, like, I don't know what it is, human nature, like I had to clear that out. I don't want that saying that I have any notifications. And so, you know, kind of sterilizing that was, was a huge step for me. I actually think it's a common thing for people in the the data industry, especially from the technical side, like yourself, that want to see everything at all the time. Know all the all the data all the right in front of your eyes, but I think, um, yeah, it's, like you said, yeah, it's, so hard. it's that fact is very distracting. It is, and I'm just looking. Sometimes I'm just looking. You can't. Focus you can't. And I'm just looking at my my setup right now. I brought 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 up my browser, and I have so I have two Gmail windows open up uh, because I I too use just the Gmail web app for for work. I also have my personal Gmail up. I have Facebook up, I have LinkedIn up, and then down in my my dock, I have Slack, I have Skype, I have Tweetbot, I have my iMessenger. Um, it's just so much, and and I can see how it, it just can become easily overwhelming just responding to every new alert that comes in. And similarly, we've cleaned up many analytics dashboards that also had way too much data for the same reason, <laughs> and too much more simplified views. Jim, put that down as a topic of conversation because I have many thoughts on that. It's it's it is and 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 not to go off on too big of a tangent, but it's it's kind of a a sexy thing right now that you have these like overly produced dramatic deliverables and dashboards. I get it; it, it sells. You know, people resonate with with it. But I think we've we've kind of swung to a far extreme where it's like there's so much noise that it's like I just want to go back to 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 simple. I. I love my I love my Jeep for that that no, reason. It, my my car dashboard is so super simple. I'm like, this is refreshing. Well, my my putting on my work hat. I, my view is my my blunt work hat is that uh, people that want to see all the data at the time really don't know what they're looking for. There's no there's no strategy behind it. So that's what we. That's- no, there's no strategy. But if you can if you can make a lot of noise and and have a lot of flashing lights, it doesn't really matter because you're entertaining and people won't question that you don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> Correct. And there's a similar thing that happens when you're building out an implementation and then maturing it. It's the whole idea of tagging everything mm-hmm. that is taggable um, and creating all of this noise. And it's almost like the, the metric is not that we're gathering valuable information. It's that we've tagged all of these things. We've tagged all the things um, and we're collecting all this data, but most of it is just noise and not usable. And, you know, people will use it at first and be like, oh, this is great. And then just stop using it after a while. And that was, you know, effort that was spent on something that really just provides no value. Look how we're seamlessly moving between abstract topics See, and direct work it, deliverables. It, it, it's awesome. <laughs> 
See, this is why this is why the podcast is named Tangents because when the three of us get together and talk, we we could start off somewhere and end up a completely different direction. There's so many tangents we take. So now you see why the podcast is named Thirty Three Tangents. Uh, so getting back to distractions, um, kind of getting distracted and going up on a tangent there. Uh, what what do we recommend for for me? I think it really is a very personal choice. I, I don't know if it's something that you can really prescribe for every employee in your company. That you you give them a setup and say, hey, here's your your setup to be most productive. I I think we you can definitely give ideas. You can definitely give things that they can work with. But I it sounds like it's really highly personable. For the wait, are we talking about the always being on or the distractions? Yeah, well, just uh, both, both, um, because our setups are are so different, right? For me, uh, for me, it was important to have a dedicated place in my house that is just my work office. It's not for mm-hmm. side projects. It's not for you know storage. It's like one room that all it is is this is thirty three sticks work. That's not, uh, you know, everybody can't do that. For John, that's not you know feasible because you're you're more nomadic. But for me, that that works. Uh, for me, one of the things that I I did that was very helpful was I invested in a a, a really good pair of uh, headphones. And I for me, putting that on and kind of escaping either silence or into some background music is super helpful for blocking out any kind of distractions. And that that's probably could be said for an office as well. Um, but for me, that works. But I don't know if that works for for everybody. So you know. How can we help people, whether they're in an office or working remotely, uh, to come up with their ideal setup for not being on all the time, for avoiding distractions? And again, for me, I think it's a personal thing. I don't know if we can come up with a, a universal, here's here's how it works, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I think those are two completely different things, though, the always on and the distractions. Like for always on, I think we did come to a bit of consensus, which was really to manage your notifications in whatever form those are to some degree. I think it's, I think we all agree that it's important to not be on hundred percent of the time. So yeah, I, I, I agree. Agree. So managing, managing notifications, setting expectation on response time. So I think those can be some universal truths that can be built in. And obviously that's going to differ from business to business. Uh, each, each business is different and expectations are different, but setting those expectations up front, I think can be, something that is universally adopted. So I, I yeah. think you're right. But in terms of yeah, managing distractions, yeah, I think that I, I agree that that's also like very highly dependent on yourself, the individual. So I guess to whatever amount of flexibility that you have to experiment with it, you know, whether it's headphones and listening to certain types of sounds or lack thereof or different environments or it's. I think it, it is really hard to kind of make a universal recommendation there. I feel like. So let me. So so maybe let's flip the script here and put the pressure on you and Jim, from a from an employee standpoint, working for a company that is less structured, remote. What are your expectations of of the company? So as you're going to work for a new company. Uh, what are your expectations as far as how do I operate in this environment? How am I, how am I going to be successful either from a setup standpoint or, or from a communication standpoint around, you know, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing from a, from a work output standpoint? Does that make sense? 
Are you talking about with uh, like our clients? No, I'm talking about coming to work at at 33.6. So we've we've hired we've hired John. It may be a different environment than you worked in before. What is your expectation of the company starting to say, "Hey, John, this is kind of how we work. We're remote, and here's some things you should know." I think we've probably done it organically, but but maybe it's something that needs a bit more thought. Or for other companies that are working with remote employees, from an employee perspective, what's the expectation as you start as you onboard? as far as how can I be successful working remote? You know, we've talked about all of our personal approaches, but do employees and should employees have expectations of the companies they go to work for to help maybe make them more successful, more comfortable in that environment? In my case, when I started, I distinctly remember everyone saying that we have no expectations really of how you work, but just care about kind of the, the execution. And it was, but I think that, I mean, maybe it was lack of actually having an onboarding (laughs) program at the time, but I think it allowed the flexibility to really experiment and, and kind of optimize what kind of execution, what style worked well with our clients or internally. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for me, it it, it kind of came down to I'm I'm trying to think back to, to to when I first started, and I think you know throughout my career I look at things, and 33 Sticks is definitely the least structured uh, company I've worked for. You know, other ones you come in, there's you know your desk is set up, there's a packet, there's you know this step by step stuff, uh, you know for for everything to do. Where coming in here, it was less that, and I think for me it was. I need to figure out everyone's communication style um, and figuring out, um, you know, and I'm, I'm stuttering here, but, but I, it, yeah, it comes back to just the communication style um, and, and what to, to, to expect from everyone because yeah, like, you know, you don't like, I, I didn't want it to be like, okay, I send out a message. I'm expecting an immediate response because I know, you know, for me, that, that, that bothers me when people are like expecting an immediate response, especially if I'm in the middle of something. So it was like kind of coming in, trying to figure those things out without disrupting what was already in motion. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's good. Um, so I think, I think we've, we've had some, some really good discussion during this, this episode. I don't know that we really solved anything per se, but I think hopefully we've given people a lot to to think about i I think oftentimes just being forced to examine your your setup and how you operate often can uh, highlight some some very small changes that can be made but maybe let's wrap it up with going around and and giving i guess our number one tip both from a stake always connected perspective and from a distraction perspective that that has helped us the the most john do you want to start off with you on the spot uh, well, for me, the always on one is easy and it's to not w- always be on. That's, that's my main tip there. So to force yourself to be off, um, you know, by, 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 I guess the other, to expand on that a little bit, it's to kind of push all your communication as much as possible into systems that can be managed. So that's away from email for me because that's kind of unmanageable, but Slack, things like that, you can manage when you get notified. 
in terms of distractions, it's really just, for me, that one is really just experimenting as much as possible to find uh, the right kind of setup that, that works for you, whether it's the time of day, if you have that luxury, um, the, the environment that you're in, you know, the, the standing, sitting, all those things I considered variables at the beginning and took a while to kind of figure out. Um, but now I have a, a really good picture in my mind what really works for me to kind of be more focused. But it's it is kind of a it's 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 a constant uh, challenge to to learn that. It's a it's a constantly evolving thing I think for me. It is, yeah, for sure. For me, I would say from a distraction standpoint, the the biggest thing for me is creating a clean environment. And so for me, that is when I know I want to work on a project that's going to take several hours, it's putting the phone away, it's closing browser tabs, it's putting do not disturb on. It's really important for me to not have any of those potential alerts. And it's not going to be completely sterile, but getting it as clean as possible for me has has helped to, to focus the most. As far as the always on, I think I mentioned, I don't know that I'm in a position to give advice there because it's something that I, I really struggle with. But the biggest piece that is is working for me is just setting expectations. Uh, so making sure up front, whether I'm working with a prospect on the sales side or whether I'm working with a client or one of our partners, setting expectations on when I will be getting back to them and, and what they should expect uh, has helped the most as far as trying to be always on. From there, it's just a mental thing that I need to work on. And still, it's it's really difficult for me to, to put the phone away, to be disconnected. Um, again, I don't, I don't think many things that we, we do are actual emergencies that we have to do right now so rewiring my brain to think that that way is something that is a is something i need to fix and something is a real struggle so i don't i don't really have great advice for for unplugging there yeah so as far as unplugging and not being always on you know as 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 i've been trying to work to get into a good place with that my thing would be is it's something that happens slowly over time it's not something that, you know, it, it happens very quickly. Um, it, it's, it's a very slow creep and it starts with, all right, you know, I just finished up dinner. Um, I have five minutes. Let me just check email. And then slowly it's, I mean, they get the laptop out or, or let me jump on this one item. It's, it's recognizing when you're going down that path. Um, you know, you know, and anybody who falls into, you know, that, again, that classification of, information worker, you know, they, they don't have a, a strict nine to five. Um, so they can easily get sucked into this. And it's, it's recognizing when, um, you know, you're doing a little bit here and there turns into you're working at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night um, because you, you feel the need to. Um, so I would say recognize when that slow creep starts to happen so that you can course correct. Uh, before it, 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 it becomes a very bad habit to break um, or very hard habit to break, uh, rather. Um, and as far as d distractions go, I, I think there's, you know, there's definitely some small steps that you could take right away being, you know, just turning off notifications on the computer. Yeah, they're a great little, you know, uh, feature to show off that, you know, you know, as part of an OS, you know, just about every OS has that kind of feature, turning those off so that, 
every little shiny object that comes in um, doesn't pull your attention away. Uh, I think I had mentioned previously that, you know, it takes you about 15 minutes to get really focused uh, on what you're doing and just having that little notification come up that, you know, that there, there's a new email that will, um, will definitely take you away. Awesome. This has been a great conversation, guys. It's been a lot of fun. I guess until next week. Cool. We'll go ahead and wrap up for, for now and uh, we'll talk to everybody later. I'm going to go uh, lay in my hammock and uh, disconnect for a while. Nice. Enjoy. <laughs> Sounds good. While well, you were just talking about distractions, this lizard ran right across. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I posted a photo on Slack, actually. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> nice. Never <Never> John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're like, how do you not get distracted? I'm like, distracted instantly by a lizard. No, just kidding. Mm -hmm. Oh, it blends right in with the wall. That's awesome. It ran up the pole really quickly. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you could do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.